Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Welcome to another Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every week here on the show. Joining me, as always, is the Columbia Daily Tribune's regional sports editor, Kevin Grayler. How are you, sir? Doing excellent. Glad to be on. Yeah, it's a, a wonderful Thursday here in Columbia. We're recording everything on the 7th here. Uh, I fly to Atlanta tomorrow from Missouri at Georgia. Uh, third straight road trip, third straight road game from Missouri. The road has not treated them well this year. Maybe the third time will be the charm. Maybe not. Uh, uh, for the, on the road, it would be the fourth time is the charm, technically. But and as many since the start of October, yes, since the win streak, third time would be the charm. Uh, we'll get into a lot of that throughout this episode. Uh, but I'll, I'll ask you this off the cuff, Kevin: Is do you think Missouri has a shot? <laughs> as as weird as this sounds, I mean, the spreads is it sixteen and a half for Vegas right now? So it doesn't appear these teams would be too far apart. But they're in such different wavelengths. It feels like Missouri has just fallen on its face twice in a row, has not won since the Ole Miss game almost a month ago uh, when Georgia just beat Florida and essentially isn't completely in the driver's seat for the SEC East title. Therefore, is still controlling its own destiny as it goes towards a national title because if they win the, the SEC title, they're going to be in the college football playoff, no doubt about it, especially if they win out. But these are still the two teams in the SEC East of the seven that if they win out, they're in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Obviously, pending NCAA investigation for Missouri, so kind of a long-winded question. But do you think sixteen and a half is fair? And does Missouri have a shot? Does Missouri have a shot? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm going to have to go ahead and answer yes. Do uh, they have more than a four percent shot? Now, you know what I find particularly <laughs> yeah, interesting, yeah, yeah. Uh, just about the premise of that question. This is the first time all season that Mizzou has entered a game as an underdog. As an underdog. Yeah. Granted, it's a, almost a 17-point underdog to the number six team in the country. At the in the place. country, um, going between the hedges in Athens, um, you know, as as Barry Odom said this week, uh, I think it was on Tuesday uh, afternoon during his availability. He said one of the greatest venues in college football. You know, yep. one of those trips when uh, you, know, you, you think about playing in the Southeastern Conference, going down to Georgia to play the Bulldogs. That's that's quite the experience, and uh, yeah. it, it could be. Uh, wow, I I don't know. Does Mizzou have a chance? Yes, I, I think so. But it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, definitely an uphill battle. <laughs> Coming off two losses to uh, inferior teams, there's gonna have to really be something different that the Tigers just come out with um, Saturday to to be in it. But uh, why not? Let's just say let's just, let's say they have a shot, and wouldn't that be something? To come back from losses uh, at Vanderbilt and at Kentucky, yeah, twenty nine to seven at Kentucky, yeah, it's and to turn around and play Georgia, but South Carolina beat Georgia, 
And, so, and Missouri dominated South Carolina. Yeah, you're right. So you, you never know. So let's let's say yes. Okay. Missouri has a shot. So, and I don't mean to be negative, especially because Missouri at their best has looked like one of the top 15 teams in the country. But to, to, to kind of rehash some of the things Kevin said, yes, uh, actually, Sanford Stadium in Athens is the 10th biggest college football stadium in the, in the nation, but only the fifth biggest in the SEC. I think Tennessee is bigger. Texas A&M is definitely bigger. Alabama is bigger. And I believe LSU is the final one of those that's bigger. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going to be a great atmosphere in Athens. And I mean, you really just break down some of the numbers that's occurred to this Missouri team over the past couple weeks. So Missouri's five and three. Missouri's been the favorite in all eight games so far. Missouri's three losses combined, they were favored by a total of 50 points. That's not good. Uh, and then if you're looking at just at the Vanderbilt loss and the Kentucky loss, Vegas got it wrong by a combined 60 points. And that is just almost unheard of. Vegas favored Missouri by 32 and a half, or sorry, 31 and a half in those games combined, and Missouri lost by 22 plus 7 is 29. They basically got 59 and a half points wrong. That's just way off. That just shows how far Missouri has kind of, not fallen, but been off track these past two weeks. It's just been completely off-road. Um, and that's just kind of, I guess, the Jekyll and Hyde for a worse combination, I can't think of it, that how off this Missouri team has been. In my opinion, six performances where, I mean, there's just some fluky things, once in a generation things that happened in uh, Wyoming. So six times Missouri has done enough to dominate and win a game, and then you have the two times where they just completely have fallen on their face. Which team shows up? Is it a combination of the two? Even if Missouri doesn't win on uh, Saturday, you just need to see something. You need a spark. You need some sort of a, okay. They're figuring things out before Florida comes here next weekend. It just it it just. I think you need to see some signs of life because it just felt like throughout that game against Kentucky, it's like why they make the trip just to sit in the rain and just not give it all. It just it didn't feel good. I mean. Vanderbilt, that that that's where the the slide happened, and it just it just in Kentucky was weird. I, I don't I don't know what's happened to this team. I mean, you could speculate all you want, but at the end of the day, this is a results driven business, and Missouri hasn't done near enough to win the past two weeks against two teams they should have beaten. You really can't put much into moral victories, and and I know uh, Mizzou top to bottom. You, you look at Odom, you look at the coaching staff, the players. They don't do that. Uh, they don't put much into moral victories. But you just you have to. I, I, I have the feeling that just to just to be competitive in this game Saturday night against a top ten opponent, uh, especially offensively. Uh, I mean, you got a you got a group offensively that really had had been in a habit of churning out thirty or more points per game. Eleven straight going into eleven straight mm-hmm. uh, and, until the past couple, and uh, th- then you look at the past two games combined. Quick math, points. Yeah. 21 points, three touchdowns in uh, those two games combined. Um, now you're going up against the Georgia defense uh, at their place. Um, to get some positive momentum going offensively, I mean, I think that's where you got to start. You got to start sustaining drives. And, 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 that's, and that's whether you have Kelly Bryant under center and it, as Odom said uh, it'd be Wednesday so uh, with three days before the game that uh, Bryant was on track to start uh, against Georgia coming off his hamstring injury that uh, that took him out of the second half against Kentucky but uh, I, you, just, you gotta see some life there because I, I, I would I would pin the problem more on the offense 
than the defense at this point. If you're looking at, hey, what's the what's the what's the number one priority of what what what's got to be in order? Um, and and you agree or disagree? I completely agree. Uh, I think it's just been a an offensive no show for the past couple weeks. It just hasn't been good. Um, I mean, when you talk about just everything kind of uh, you know not working itself, it starts the offensive line. They haven't had two good games in a row. Kelly hasn't helped himself, but when you look at them not establishing the run game and Roundtree and Beatty and Dawson not finding the running re- running lanes, and then you look at you know they need to get Albert O more involved. But outside of Jonathan Nance and Kelly Bryant, he's played the most and the offensive lineman of the skill position players. And take away the quarterback, only Jonathan Nance has played more snaps over the past two weeks. It's just that it seems like opposing defenses are keying in on number eighty one. And taking him away and even going like 10 on 10 or 10 on 9, Missouri try and beat us and they can't move the ball. Um, and then, you know, Missouri's wide receivers have just not done themselves any favors over the last two weeks. They've been, it's been ugly for them with the drops in, uh, in Kentucky and then just the mental mistakes in uh, Nashville. And, you know, uh, we'll have Mark Weiser on the show from the Athens Banner Herald later in this episode to discuss the matchup. But uh, they had me on their podcast earlier today, and I and I kind of made uh, the point that, you know, Missouri doesn't stand a chance uh, if they can't even just run the ball. And that's where that Missouri's offense kind of opens up. It's just, that's just, it's just been an all-around, just not a good performance for them. It's just... It hasn't been one thing. Yes, you want to point the finger at Kelly. Sure, you fine, you can do that. But at the end of the day, if his offensive line's not blocking for him and his wide receivers aren't open and they can't run the ball, what would you like him to do? Uh, and, and I'm sure he hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been great uh, over the past two weeks. Then you look at, you know, you want to blame it on Odom. Sure, but it's how, how much can you blame on Odom when his players aren't performing and but they practice great every week, I guess. So uh, it just seems like there's more of a, I don't want to say a systemic problem with Missouri right now. It feels like they have already left so much on the table this season that they won't be able to get back unless they beat both Georgia and Florida. Um, that you know, it just feels like kind of a season that you're you're doing damage control from here on out. You know, I don't think Ms. Barry's going to win the fans back. I don't think, uh, at least this season, I, I just don't think it's there because of the losses to Vanderbilt, Kentucky. Just how quickly things changed over that two week span of on top of the world, ranked, looking like they're going to make a yeah, run, ranked for the first time this year, looking like they're going to make a run here, going to be seven and one going to Athens, and here we are five and three, really staring down. Uh, might have a serious conversation about them being five and five in two weeks with two top ten teams next on their. Uh, their radar. I mean, this was the weekend right here. We were scheduling, you know, back in July of like, okay, this is where Missouri season is going to take a turn one way or the other. Thinking they were going to be six and two, maybe at the worst right now. <laughs> but the twists and turns have, have already come. This, yeah, exactly. So and so now it's a matter of w- w- will this be uh, just kind of like that that moment where they're able to to put some things together that the past two weeks certainly uh, just just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, one positive uh, amid the negatives is we are now in the month of November. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and so recent years. Nine in a row for Barry Odom in November. Yeah. That, that's that that's been a good mark. Uh, that, that's going to be that's gonna be a tough uh, mantle to uphold uh, starting Saturday night. Yeah, but, I uh, yeah. I don't think any of those opponents were ranked at the time of the win. There's nothing like playing at Georgia among those nine wins. Yes, nine in a row is great this time of year. I don't know how many other teams in the country that don't aren't coached by a Nick Saban or a Dabo Sweeney can say that, but how much does that matter right now? It just feels like 
you know, not that much. You know, Barry just needs to, you know, Barry, Barry has his under control. Barry is, I, I truly think Barry can't give any more. It's just, you know, right now this team is seems to be in a place where they need to come out and, and show something. Need to be in a place where it's just, just something needs to happen for them beyond, oh, well, just the play calling is bad and the players aren't calling and just packing it up and give it another day. That can't be an excuse anymore. It shouldn't have been an excuse in Lexington. Uh, and now they're just in a place where they need something really here. I mean, it's a tough matchup. It's going to be an uphill battle for them, but do they play more free with all the expectations off them now for the first time this season? And I asked that question of Barry at the press conference on Tuesday, and he said, like, oh, we're putting plenty of pressure on them. Don't you worry. They're they're feeling it. So we'll see how much that kind of affects things here. But uh, I think that that's, that's as good of a, uh, a transition as we'll ever get into the uh, – well, first we'll hear from our sponsors. Then on the other side of the sponsor break, we'll hear from – the Athens Banner Herald's Mark Weiser been on the Georgia beat since 2003, uh, kind of breaking down what he expects from Saturday's matchup. We would like to thank our sponsors for the Mizzou Sports Podcast, University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create your perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. And now back to our podcast. Joining the Mizzou Sports Podcast this time is the Georgia beat writer for the Athens Banner Herald newspaper, Mark Weiser. How are you doing, sir? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Uh, kind of chilly here today in Columbia, Missouri. How is the weather down there uh, closer to Atlanta? Uh, I don't think it's as cold as it's going to be Saturday night in uh, Between the Hedges. So uh, bring, uh, although the, the press box in uh, Sanford Stadium, it's open air, but they do have heaters that hopefully will help out a little bit. But uh, yeah, it'll be chilly. Gotcha, gotcha. Mark's been on the beat since what you said, just 2003. So this is year 17. Uh, I haven't done the math, but um, is it uh, maybe? Yeah. Uh, so you've been through Mark Richt, right? You've been through not only Kobe Smart. You've been through all those years. You know, just uh, overall, uh, what's been kind of your takeaway? I mean, takeaway covering uh, the Bulldogs. Uh, football is very important here. Um, the fan base likes to win. Uh, they don't take well to losing a double overtime at home to South Carolina. Uh, the bar has been raised by Kirby. So, um, you know, maybe uh, one loss a year might be acceptable in the regular season, but because that still leaves you like Georgia is now with a, a chance to run the table, get to Atlanta and uh, get into the playoff. But uh, they've recruited at such a high level that um, the expectation now is, uh, you know, you got to get to Atlanta uh, and then they want to break through it, win that championship um, like they did two years ago. This time, uh, you know, uh, complete it and, uh, you know, win, win a national title. Do you have a favorite memory on the Georgia beat? Is it that Rose Bowl two years ago, something else? It's a good question. I, need, I probably need some more time to think about it, but certainly that was, uh, I mean, it was a pretty crazy um, I don't know if it was 
uh, 12 days. I need to go back and look at my calendar. But I mean, you're talking about um, going out to California, a double overtime win in the Rose Bowl, um, flying back uh, for the national championship game back in, in the backyard here in Atlanta, um, and then having another incredible game uh, with, with an overtime loss to Alabama where, where the thing was just a walk-off ending, um, you know, on that second and 26. Uh, so, I mean, two of the, the more memorable games that you'll ever uh, cover and I, I didn't I don't think I even scanned through the list that came out the other day of 105 or I did do a little bit of scanning 150 uh, greatest games I think the Alabama Georgia overtime game was I, I don't know where the Rose Bowl was on that list but but certainly uh, some incredible games but you know Georgia's had some uh, previously that and they always seem to go against Georgia the uh, the Hail Mary against Tennessee uh, in 2015 the uh, prayer at Jordan Hare uh, with Auburn in 2013, um, the five yards uh, Georgia was short of in the 2012 SEC championship game. Uh, there's been some terrific victories as well, but probably not uh, necessarily as dramatic as, as some of those losses. Well, let's talk a little bit more about uh, this year's Georgia team. Overall, what are your impressions of this year's Bulldog team? Do they deserve to be number six in the country right now? Yeah, I mean, I think I moved uh, Georgia ahead of Oregon in my AP uh, ballot, and, uh, you know, it was a tough call. I mean, I had Oregon, I think I had Georgia one spot lower than most folks uh, before the Florida game, but, you know, that's the second top uh, 10 win, at least at the time. Notre Dame's obviously lost to Michigan and slid, uh, but Georgia's got two top 15 wins, as the uh, selection committee chair said this week, and, um, um, you know, I mean, has Georgia played as well this season as fans and probably even the team expected? No. Um, you know, the Tennessee win was uh, kind of a tighter than expected until, you know, they, they blew it open. And then Notre Dame, Georgia was, was behind and had to come back to win. Um, you know, they, they're probably their best game besides the Florida one was probably a, um, an impressive win over Arkansas State. I guess it was where everything kind of clicked. So, you know, uh, at Auburn next week, um, you know, then Texas A&M comes here. You got a, you got a down Georgia Tech team. I mean, I, I think they're hoping that, that some of their best uh, football is still ahead of them and, and offensively uh, that, that they started to get into the kind of groove that they were hoping to uh, with Lawrence Cager and Jake Fromm connecting last week. I guess that it's Missouri and Georgia technically, mathematically, are the two teams that if they win out could, can, can play in Atlanta. Everybody else's destiny is out of their hands. So, technic- and I know that Missouri and Georgia are in two different, very different pro- places with their programs right now. Georgia's still very much hoping for, you know, a run on a national title. When Missouri you know, still has is under NCAA sanction is, you know, best they can do is nine and three with three losses where they were feared by a combined 50 points. Uh, if you think there's a route that exists for Missouri to win on Saturday, is there one? And if so, where is it? Probably something similar to what happened against South Carolina, where Georgia had four turnovers. Um, and I mean, you know, there's been instances where, like on special teams, that they uh, maybe muffle a, a kickoff and you know pin themselves down in their deep in their territory. Uh, you know, you hate to say a, a key injury to somebody for Georgia. You know, that that obviously could complicate matters. Um, but I mean, Missouri's given Georgia some interesting games. Um, you know, I think it was was it nine to six in 2015 here, or is that? Georgia Southern, and it was one of those games. I, mean, I think it was 2000. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Um, and I don't expect that, and I, and I don't expect necessarily this to be that. From what I've seen from Missouri last couple of weeks, for for them to be able to to keep it that tight, but uh, it would have to be a turnover deal. It would have to be a deal where 
um, Missouri's, uh, you know, secondary clamps down on, on Georgia's um, you know, passing game. And, and it looks like it did, you know, maybe uh, against South Carolina where they really couldn't couldn't make much uh, downfield. Uh, but but they'd also have to slow down DeAndre Swift. And, and that's a big ask uh, for a lot of folks. Tell us more about, you know, kind of the offense that Georgia has. You hear a lot about Jake Fromm. You hear a lot about DeAndre Swift. You know, how did they kind of balance the pass and the run? Well, I mean... If they can run all over you and wear down teams, they're fine with that. Um, you know, they won 21 nothing uh, in a sloppy, you know, I don't know if it was a monsoon. I don't know exactly how you define monsoon, but uh, it was heavy rain for, for the entire game and never stopped. Um, and they won 21 nothing. That was scoreless, like, more than halfway through the third quarter. Um, but, you know, Kirby Smart was not necessarily complaining. Fans were. There was a lot of booing uh, at Georgia. Just kind of abandoned the idea of trying to throw the ball after Jake Fromm had had problems uh being able to even grip it um but uh you know they lost everybody pretty much that was a significant part of the uh, receiving core uh last year in terms of Nicole Hartman went to the NFL um Riley Ridley uh, Isaac Nauta was a, a tight end that that was very uh, uh good player down the middle in terms of uh, as a safety valve type guy um, and then J.J. Holloman got dismissed in June uh, because of a domestic uh, violence incident with a girlfriend. Um, so, you know, they, they had to rely on George Pickens. They had to rely on Tom Blaylock. These are these are talented freshmen. And then Lawrence Cager comes in from Miami as a grad transfer. Um, so Cager was out for a couple games or a game and a half, and, and Georgia seemed to be missing their go-to guy. And people were wondering about Jake Fromm and the passing game and the offensive coordinator, James Coley, uh, was being questioned and criticized and and so i mean cager seemed to be the cure-all and uh will be interesting to see you know uh how missouri and and barry odom uh, scheme up uh, trying to you know take him away and then maybe putting more pressure on on from and and some of the other targets tell me a little more about this team defensively uh you know it seems like missouri's kind of faults over the past uh two games being vanderbilt and kentucky kind of started on the offensive end uh does this defense have enough to make it three three for three in that sense? Yeah, I mean, th- that's been um, definitely the uh, one thing that Georgia can hang their hat on is that the defense, uh, you know, game in and game out, except for some explosive plays in the passing game against Tennessee, against South Carolina, um, that they've been very good and, and they haven't given up a rushing touchdown yet this season. Um, I think teams are rushing for about 73 yards a game. Um, and, you know, there's not like a superstar of, of a Roquan Smith ilk uh, that has ne- necessarily emerged yet. Um, um, maybe those guys are just part of the, this true freshman class, number two in the country, and, and you know whether Nolan Smith um, or uh, Nicobe Dean at inside linebacker, maybe in a couple of years they'll, they'll be that kind of player. Uh, but right now it's kind of been a team effort. Um, they've uh, been getting a lot of rotation on the defensive line, getting a guy like Aziz Ojulari, uh, putting some pressure on the quarterback with four and a half sacks and just solid uh, play at inside linebacker from, from Tay Crowder and Monty Rice. And then on the back end they have some veteran guys in, in J.R. Reed, uh, Richard LeCount, uh, and then Eric Stokes, who uh, came in last year um, and played pretty well against Missouri uh, when Tyson Campbell uh, came out. Um, he's really kind of replaced Baker as the, the shutdown corner uh, you know, th- that they have back there. So um, there's a lot of depth and a lot of talent, uh, just maybe not that superstar in defense now. 
do you think the spread kind of would be accurate for this game? You know, to be honest with you, do you think that, you know, I think it stands at 17 based off of what we're just talking about, where Georgia's kind of clicking right now and Missouri's not. Do you think 17 is accurate? And if so, do you have a final score prediction for this game, Mark? Is that what it is this morning? I think last night I looked at it. I know I think it opened at 14. Opened at 14 and a half. It was at least 17 as of yeah, yesterday morning. Yeah, I was morning. talking about this with somebody uh, maybe the, the day after the Florida game and or maybe the day of the Florida game and guessing that it would be like 20 points or something and surprised it wasn't. But, I mean, I guess if you, if you saw that Georgia only beat Kentucky by 21 at home and, and lost to South Carolina, I don't know. I mean, Vegas seems to know what they're doing. And, and like I said, I mean, I think Georgia's fine. They get a 17-point victory, uh, you know, if they won – if they won, you know, twenty-one to six, I, I don't think they'd be crying about it, uh, you know, necessarily. But I mean, they also have the ability, and and maybe they haven't, uh, you know, pushed up the score. That they've been scoring in the uh, lower twenties in the last few games, uh, and maybe this team offensively, especially with what's coming with with LSU or Alabama possibly in Atlanta in December, uh, you know, they might need to be more of a high-scoring team uh, to be able to keep up with what those offenses are doing. Do I have a prediction? I would say. Hmm. What did I predict? I, I definitely predict, predict Missouri. I, I, I think I uh, I'd go something like thirty-one to ten. I think that might be safe. Sounds good. Yeah, I just looked online. Uh, Vegas odds actually have it at sixteen and a half right now. So so you you would you would t- you would actually have Missouri covering, but barely, if I remember correctly, from a couple seconds. Uh, I said thirty-one to ten. So that's thirty-one to ten. That's twenty-one. Yeah, I'm not very good at math apparently yeah. or, or hearing. Uh, yeah, I mean we haven't we haven't, we haven't mentioned. Uh, I guess it comes into point spreads. Um, you know, Rodrigo Blankenship is just, you know, he had a, he had a, obviously a, a miss in overtime or double overtime, I guess, against, uh, where was it? <laughs> Somewhere in the end there. I don't remember if it was regulation. Yeah, I guess yeah. it was overtime to tie uh, that ended the game. Um, I mean, he's like 15 to 17 this year. He's, he's a, a senior that's, you know, chasing up the, uh, the points records in the, uh, in the SEC and, uh, you know, in terms of points for him, mean, he's going to, he's, George is fine to set him up for a, a, a 40 yard field goal and, and they can just punch up a couple of uh, field goals that way. So, um, yeah, I think, I think 21 might do it. Are you putting a, a bet on Vegas when we get off here? Uh, no, I, I, I can't, that's not Pete Rose of me. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I did take uh, for our Saturday preview. I did take Georgia with the spread of seventeen uh, since it went down by a half point. So I, I guess okay. I, I'd place it somewhere in the twenties as well. Uh, but very much like Rodrigo Blankenship, Missouri's kicker Tucker McCann, Missouri has no problem trusting him and has shown no, no propensity to throw him out there even for long situations. But he's missed his last three kicks, uh, and that's kind of the reason they've been behind the eight ball a little bit. Is uh, yeah, you know, even though Tucker McCann has a leg that he, I mean, again at South Carolina last year made that fifty-seven yard field goal that was probably good from seven. And I saw him kicking before the Wyoming game and at several other junctures this year where he, I mean, he has such a strong leg. And he's been very good in the punt game and in the kickoff game. Just Yeah, so maybe maybe yeah. he's tired from all the punting he's having to do. Maybe so. Uh, but the Missouri's coming off a bye, so he's had a chance to ice the leg and do all those types of things. Uh, but I guess I'll ask you this. For Missouri fans heading down to uh, Atlanta and Athens, where, what are the uh, can't-miss things the, uh, that they need to be doing before uh, the game and after the game? Well, I mean, I guess in Atlanta, um, you know, if you're into football mood still, um, the College Football Hall of Fame is, is kind of cool. If you, I mean, I guess you don't have the chance necessarily uh, to be in the area. Uh, it's an interactive deal. There's actually not that much, like, memorabilia. I mean, there is, but but not as much as you might expect for a Hall of Fame. It's a lot of, like, bells and whistles where you can, like, go through a combine-type deal or, or you can watch old videos of, of uh, uh, you know, certain famous plays and that kind of stuff. So it's worth checking out. They got every helmet 
I think from every level that's on a wall in there. And so uh, on a football aspect that, um, you know, in terms of Athens, just just walk around downtown before the game. It's uh, it's quite a college town. It's uh, quintessential. Uh, if you're looking for a place to eat breakfast, Mama's Boy is, is very popular. Uh, although this is a night game, right? So uh, you, yes. can, you can catch it. Well, get, get a late. Go party out tonight on Friday night and <laughs> go get breakfast at noon. That's what I would say. Mama's Boy, yeah, there's two locations, one downtown, one out a little bit uh, on the outskirts. So uh, uh, you could I'd say Google that up and then uh, uh, plenty of other uh, good places around and, uh, you know, go to the 40 watt uh, on Friday night. I don't know. I don't know who's playing that that, that uh, night, but uh, obviously uh, Athens, big music town as well. Mm-hmm. Does Gladys Knight still have a restaurant in town or is that gone? Gladys Knight. She's not. She's more like Atlanta, I think. And she. Uh, I meant in yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't. Oh, okay. Know. I'm not sure. Maybe she does. I don't know. But uh, I've been to Atlanta once before for WrestleMania when my freshman year of college back in 2011. But yeah, uh, definitely a fun trip to check out. But uh, I guess uh, with the Gatehouse Brethren down in uh, Georgia, why don't you plug the links where can you find everything and uh, from the opponent's perspective this week? Uh, go to onlineathens.com and. Uh, if you're in town Saturday, pick up our game day section where I believe uh, Eric's picks will be there. We uh, He was nice enough to uh, send us some picks for our weekly contests, and uh, we don't have point spreads in ours, so we just needed a winner from him on that one. Yeah, we, we, we pick it for our Tiger Extra every Saturday here. We pick against the spread, if you, but a uh, little, little more, uh, I guess tiny bit more thought that goes into it but obviously well, well, it's straight up pick them but you know yeah our game is also with the readers so uh, i think it's might might be uh well yeah we have an online deal where uh, they try to beat my picks, and uh, um, so I guess maybe to make it less complicated, and also the lines move, right? Unless you lock them in at a certain point during the week, so we just have them uh, pick the actual games and then a score for one big game every week. We lock them in on Tuesday here just to get a little bit ahead of a prep for better or worse. But I actually am in first place among the six Tribune staffers that are in the pick'em right now. But here comes right. here comes the avalanche week because I just jinxed myself. But uh, thanks once again for Mark for uh, being on the podcast and uh, we'll see you on saturday all right safe travels us out uh definite friend of the podcast here i think the second time we've had him on since i've been the host we had him on our SEC media days and now but yeah uh, let's, we're gonna drop into just a couple other mizzou sports here really quickly before we end things uh i think we'll start with the news of today being thursday is uh mizzou wrestler and columbia native Jaden ironman uh entered the transfer portal of, i think officially on monday news broke yesterday being wednesday and he's already announced his commitment to where he's going uh not this winter but next winter he's already taking off this winter for uh training for the olympic trials uh using his olympic red shirt but next year heading to iowa city yeah going to be a hawkeye you know i, I don't i don't think this is something that that many saw coming I it took us by surprise here, but for Mizzou wrestling and, and Coach Brian Smith, now they're they're going to be down a three-time All-American, somebody who was a leader in that room, um, who potentially um, you know for 2020-21 uh, would have uh, would have competed in his senior season here uh, with the Tigers. Now he's going to Iowa. Um, all we have from Jaden at this point uh, was an Instagram post making the announcement. Uh, we, we haven't actually been able to, uh, to get through to him directly at this point and just the, the, um, the immediate aftermath of uh, aftermath maybe isn't a fair word uh in the in the in the immediate uh in the immediate time time since the announcement since yeah. the announcement uh 
Um, but uh, yeah, N- now he, uh, he gives a shot at the Olympics and then going to Iowa. I think the record was 158-0 at Tolton, four-time state champion for Ironman. Uh, clearly a leader on the team, but I mean they're without him this year, and they're already still ranked in the top ten. Definitely is still a hit for Mizzou wrestling and Tiger style over there. But uh, I mean, it, it, this doesn't derail the program or anything like that. They still got a lot of local talent, being Jeremiah Kent from Hickman, Jarrett JQs, and Brock Muller, who both went to Tolton as well. So they, they, they should be fine. It's just still this is this is. I mean, I don't think he's the level of a Jaden Cox or a Ben Askren in terms of where he can eventually... Possibly he is. He's trained for the Olympics, but he's not a guaranteed, I think, going to be picked to the U.S. team, a guaranteed guy like that. But he's obviously one heck of a talented wrestler, one of the best athletes at Mizzou at any sport. So it's a huge loss for them, but not one that I think derails the momentum this program's built. You know, I think I think it's gonna be interesting in the days and weeks and months to come to kind of find out more about his intentions behind this. Of um, cer- certainly, I, I think um, even from his uh, initial statement, um, it, it, it has to do with just his his view looking into the future of of wanting to uh, to pursue a professional career um, in wrestling and and that uh, you know locking in with with Iowa for his last collegiate season. He thinks will will help him best prepare for that the only thing i can think of off the top of my head is that missouri does not play or is not in a big time wrestling conference i mean missouri's gonna run away with their conference again probably this year you go to the iowa you're in the big 10 you're fine uh you're set in that way with wisconsin and ohio state and penn state and you know just a couple other schools that are really good at wrestling but yeah we'll uh but that best obviously best of luck to Jaden, and maybe we'll uh, get to catch up with him at some time yeah, for the, yeah, before no the olympic trials I, I hope to write that story uh, yeah, you on. always wish the best for for a local kid, and oh, for sure. Um, certain a lot, of, a lot of emotion goes into this decision when he's even he's even from Columbia. But uh, no, we, we wish him well, and we'll, we'll definitely be keeping tabs. Now moving on to men's basketball, they had their opener on I guess yesterday, uh, Wednesday night against Incarnate Word. No trouble, winning eighty two forty two. Jeremiah Tillman to pick up four fouls, but was the leading scorer for them with sixteen. Looked, I mean, he, we had heard a ton of talk about Jeremiah, kind of just getting better and it looked like he was playing a lot more free using his body i mean he is obviously a confident guy um and definitely played that part and xavier pinson definitely looked like a good kind of you know distributor off the bench the backup point guard had 15 a couple really really nasty passes really great stuff for them uh did you watch a little bit of the game yeah that was a nice alley-oop between uh, between pinson and tillman and big guy tillman seven rebounds and then a career high five blocks as well uh, so he, he's really going to be, and, and we, we've talked about this, and even in our, our season preview, uh, Eric, we, we had you do that, that story on him and touch on just how much uh, offensively is going to run through him everything, uh, yeah. in the middle. It, it's, it's just about everything, you know, especially with having four guards on the court lots of the time with Tillman. Um, certainly it's not always that way, but I, I think quite a bit it will be um, from what we expect. And um, yeah, to keep him on, the floor is going to make all the difference um, to keep him on the floor and playing free, you know, not, not being worried about, uh, you know, looking up, looking up and seeing how many fouls he's committed, you know, keeping that number low in the first place and then just him being able to play his game. Yeah, you de- definitely, definitely it'll be a, a good time for them. It definitely will be, you know, as Missouri goes through this non-conference schedule, I mean, you look at their opponents, you look at what they have it, and Missouri doesn't play a, 
non-SEC big conference team in Columbia this year. It doesn't. It's not on the schedule. Every game that would be on the NCAA resume as a good win either takes place at a neutral venue like the Bragg and Rights game. Uh, they play in the Hall of Fame Classic in Kansas City or on the road. True road games this year with West Virginia, Xavier, and Temple. So these, I mean, if Missouri's not undefeated in the non-conference, I mean, they, they play... Uh, if, they, if they're not undefeated at home in the non-conference, I should say, they play Northern Kentucky tomorrow being Friday. They have Wofford, Chicago State, Moorhead State. There's a couple others like that where these should be wins for Missouri on paper, and they most likely all will be. So we'll see how they go from there. Speaking of a win on paper that didn't go almost exactly as such, we'll talk about women's basketball real quick. And uh, They needed overtime to beat Western Illinois on uh, Tuesday night, but they did win their season opener. Uh, I cannot remember the score off the top of my head. I think it was 97-89. Sure. Uh, I remember it was 81s going in uh, to overtime. Uh, It was was quite the uh, interesting game from Missouri, where it seemed like uh, this is going to be, I mean, you had Asia Blackwell and Haley Frank both starting, the two of the three star freshmen, and this is going to be kind of a the changing of the guard and handing the torch to these two amazing elite level uh, freshmen, but yet, it was kind of the senior class. Yeah, it really was the seniors who, who helped pull that game. one out yeah it, it was it was kind of like okay it, it, it's not the new pups time yet it's it, it's it's the old guard still kind of there that's uh gonna help guide this season i think that you know there's gonna be games that you know ebb and flow like that this season but it, it was nice that the you know even the ones that didn't start like uh hannah shoots and well, i think the other three seniors were all in the starting lineup but obviously it was just hannah shoots didn't start but you know jordan Rounchy, jordan chavis and obviously amber smith with 27 and 11 uh kind of giving a good start to their senior season. I mean, I think they play against Nebraska at home on Sunday as their second game. Obviously, a much stiffer test on paper than Western Illinois should be. But, yeah, not a bad start to the season for either Missouri men or women's basketball. All right, Kevin, but uh, it looks like we're almost done with this episode, so why don't you give our plug for our preview section on Saturday, and then we'll uh, we'll get out of here. Yeah, well, as always, uh, we'll have our game day wrap uh, in the Saturday print edition of the Tribune. Um, I guess to throw it right back to you, we'll have we'll have Eric doing the the centerpiece story, mm-hmm. uh, which this week, drum roll please. Uh, I guess it's on Jordan Elliott. <laughs> yeah, no, it's on Jordan Elliott. Uh, I wanted to do this story for a little while now, kind of him being that leader. You know, I wanted to do it before the Kentucky game, but you know, I understand not wanting to talk after Vanderbilt. So the first time we got to talk to him since after the Ole Miss game was uh, on Tuesday and uh, very candid about his thoughts and uh, got to talk to his uh, position coach, Brick Haley, who actually coached him when they both were at Texas and now they're both here. So definitely a good story in the works for uh, Jordan Elliott. We obviously got our uh, five questions, our picks as always, our on the beat with Mark Weiser. Thanks again, Mark, for helping us out. Uh, Everything's going to be in there. Any other thoughts before we get ready? No, that's just, you you know, I'm... uh, Looking forward to Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, I think win or lose, we're going to learn a lot about uh, this Mizzou team and, and really its 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 ability to to bounce back from from some serious adversity in the middle of this season. Um, you know, I, I I don't think it takes a win to come away feeling like there was a step forward, but there's a reason you play the game. <laughs> and sure. uh, you know, in a, in a season of the unexpected. What's Maybe next? Saturday night is just uh, is just the next installment. Uh, so. That's uh, maybe what we can leave with. All right, I like that. Uh, Thank you for listening to this week's Mizzou Sports Podcast. Kevin, give us the outro. For the Mizzou Sports Podcast, until next time.
just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.